0: Welcome to the New Wine Podcast. My name is Jay Matthew Barnes. The goal of New Wine is simply this, to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in the real world, where we work, live, and play, especially for those who are tired of doing it the same old way. This is podcast number 24, and here's the question we'll try to answer this time. What prerequisites are needed for a value of collaborative leadership to be lived out? What prerequisites are needed for a value of collaborative leadership to be lived out? It's been a while since I've recorded a podcast. There's been lots of changes in my life. First of all, my wife and I welcomed a second son into our family. Woohoo! Now we're a family of four. Also, previously I was working part-time at a church, part-time as an urban missionary, Part-time as a blogger and podcaster, full-time as a Ph.D. student, and full-time as a work-from-home dad. In the summer of 2017, I finally graduated with my Ph.D. after 10 long years. And on June 1st of 2017, I became the senior pastor at First Baptist Church, Alhambra. Lots and lots has changed. With all of that said, I'd still like to keep my blog and my podcast up and running. I'm going to be building time into my schedule to keep updating these platforms with content, so be sure to check in regularly to see what I'm up to. Now to the content for today. Recently, the staff at First Baptist Church in Alhambra, California, and I have been working on defining our cultural values as a team. One of the very first values that I began highlighting when I was hired here was collaborative leadership. Here's how I define this value. Working together to come up with the best ideas which we implement together. Working together to come up with the best ideas which we implement together. Now, if you've ever worked in a church setting, then you probably know how countercultural this value is in the context of church ministry work. Most often in the church, at least from my research and personal experience, people don't work well together especially not across divisions like the youth workers helping with worship or the adult ministry people collaborating with children's ministry, etc. Usually, within the church, our staff members are siloed off into their own individual realms of programming and ministry. But I knew that I've always best worked in collaborative environments, and I've always grown frustrated by systems that were siloed off. So when I took this position as senior pastor, I committed to myself, our church council, and my pastoral team that I would work to create and nurture collaborative leadership. Therefore, one thing that I did toward the end of 2017 was redeveloped all the pastoral team members' job descriptions to include collaborative goals, which I can hold them accountable to and which I can celebrate when they are are met and exceeded. I've tried my best to lead by example in this area incorporating others into my sermon preparation process, as well as involving people in my critical decision-making processes, etc. So a few weeks ago, when I brought up the idea that collaborative leadership should be one of our staff values, I don't think anyone was surprised. However, after thinking about it in some detail later on, I realized that I hadn't tilled the soil in my own life or in the lives of my staff with regard to collaborative leadership well enough. So I devoted quite a bit of a weekly staff meeting to working through seven prerequisites for collaborative leadership. I want to share these seven prerequisites with you now. Now, I'm not scripting this part of the podcast, so it may be a little bit rough. I just want you to stick with me because I think that you'll find some value in this. So without further ado, here are those seven prerequisites for collaborative leadership with a little bit of explanation for each one. Number one, we must believe and behave like we're not the smartest person in the room. We must believe and behave like we're not the smartest person in the room. You know, Even if we're an expert in a particular area, it's very likely that we'll be limited in our perspective and that when we bring other people into our decision-making process, others will be able to see things from different perspectives and different angles than we're able to. They'll see different facets of the problem or different facets of a solution that we might not be able to see because of the angle at which we're looking at the problem or the issue. And it may well be that we're not the best suited to deal with whatever the issue is, even if it's in our area of expertise. Maybe someone else has more experience in the room. Maybe someone knows more information in the room or knows how to gain access to better research and information. Whatever the case is, it may well be that we are not the smartest person in, their, in any given room. And if we behave as if we're not the smartest person, then we're more likely to be humble and collaborate well. You know, even if we are the one in the room who knows the most about a subject, it's still probably, hmm, let's correct that. It's still always best to humbly admit that other people can contribute to a good solution to whatever situation we may be facing. You know, I just naively believe that the scriptures are true, that those of us who follow Jesus are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and that when we work together, sometimes what we say to one another is a direct result of that relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit and God may be speaking through us to one another. So we have to believe and behave like we're not the smartest person in the room. Number two, we must be patient because collaborating can take time. We must be patient because collaborating can take time. Now, I think many of us don't collaborate because we know that it takes time and we have deadlines We have Wednesday coming and Sunday coming. We have ministry programming around the corner. We have busy family life, busy social life, busy activities in our lives. Our children have stuff and and, and our schedules are just jam-packed full of different things. But if we want to collaborate well, if we want to have the best ideas and work well together, then we have to be patient with one another as we collaborate. We have to let things percolate for a little while longer than if we might do it ourselves we have to trust the process with someone else knowing that God may be working through them and in them knowing that they may have a level of experience that we don't and we need to sit and listen and make space for them and time for them to process things in the way that they need to we also need to be patient because we all process things differently from one another The way that I approach things is different from the way a team member of mine might. And if I'm impatient, I may not sit and listen and and let that process come to fruition. I may instead jump in and try to rush it whenever someone else may process at a different speed than I do. So if if we want to collaborate, if we want to have the best ideas, then we have to work together. And if we're going to collaborate well together, then we must be patient because collaboration can take time. The third prerequisite is this, we must have a greater desire for what's best, not just what's good enough. We must have a greater desire for what's best, not just what's good enough. Now so often, because of our tight schedules and because of our habits and because of being siloed off in ministry and in other jobs too, this probably applies outside the church as well, we get used to doing are our best doing what's been good enough over the years doing what we've had to do to get through to make deadlines because you know programs and 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 sunday and sermons and worship and all those things are coming and we've done our best and we've we've done good enough and we've settled for good enough over time because we just haven't built in time and processes that allow us to go after what's best and the only way in my opinion and experience to find what is best is to collaborate with others, as we've already discussed. So if, if, we're, if we're really going to strive after what's best instead of what's just good enough, then we are going to have to collaborate together. But we have to actually want what's best. We can't just say that we want it. We have to demonstrate it by working well together. Another reason why sometimes we settle for good enough is we get stuck in habits and patterns of behavior. And sometimes, again, those are because of the ruts because of our schedule. But other times it's because we've had a level of success doing things a certain way. And because we've had some success doing it that way, we've we felt like we don't need to to change. We don't need anyone else to speak into our process because we've done just well enough on our own. We've done good enough. And in, in fact, friends, I think what was best a few years ago is probably just good enough now because our culture is changing under our feet so quickly that we have to be on the edge of our seats, on the tips of our toes, always being ready and willing to change. We must have a greater desire for what's best, not just what's good enough. Here's the fourth prerequisite we must internalize completely that a unified team is more important than completed tasks. We have to fully internalize that a unified team is more important than completed tasks. Now for some of us, this is going to be a very difficult thing to hear. For those who are task-oriented and, and those sorts of people, it's going to be very difficult to hear that that checking things off the to-do list is not as important as being unified as a team. But being unified as a team is what is centrally important especially with regard to the ministry. You might remember that that the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he was with his disciples. And in John 17, John records for us Jesus' prayer. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for those who will believe in the message of the disciples. Friends, that's me and you. That's certainly church staff members too. We are those who believe and and even teach the message of the disciples. He prayed for us on the night he was betrayed and arrested. And what does he pray for us? He prays for us to be one, as he and the Father are one, to be unified. And he says that if we're unified, then the world will know that the Father sent the Son, and that the Father has loved them, has loved the world, just as he has loved him. Friends, if we're going to put our best foot forward out there in the real world As the church, we must be unified together. And our churches cannot be unified if our church staffs are not unified. If we are working against one another, then we are not going to accomplish what Jesus hoped for us to accomplish, what he prayed for us to accomplish. Namely, that the world would know he was real and that they are loved by God. If the world is going to know that, then our church staffs have to be unified, leading our people also to be unified. We have to internalize this idea that being a unified team is much more important than just doing things that we're supposed to do. Now, we we have to do things. That's important. And I'm not trying to minimize that, but it's much more important to leave some things off the to-do list undone and be unified together than to check them all off and settle for what's good enough. It'd be better for us to to exercise our collaborative leadership, working well together toward unified purposes, together being unified as a team than just checking things off. So we have to fully internalize that being a unified team is more important than completing tasks. And then number five, we must be curious and we must ask questions. We must be curious and we must ask questions. When we come into a collaborative environment, a collaborative meeting, we, we we don't just want to come in there and listen and accept whatever's being told to us by the one leading the meeting. Not that we should be subversive or anything like that, but instead we should come to those sorts of collaborative environments with questions, come with curiosity, fully engaged, because we all need to contribute our best in those sorts of environments. When we come into a collaborative environment, what's expected in those situations for each of us, the one leading that, that meeting and those participating in it as well, we, we're all needing to do our best because we want to have the best answers so that we can work well together. You might remember how we defined collaborative leadership at the big toward the beginning of this podcast we said working together to come up with the best ideas which we implement together working together to come up with the best ideas which we implement together the only way we're going to get the best ideas is if each of us contributes something and the best way that we can contribute is coming to a meeting prepared engaged fully with our curiosity and asking questions. It's much better to ask a question, even if it might seem silly or trivial to you. It might be something that the one leading the meeting has never considered before. So it's very important that when we come into collaborative environments that we do our best to be curious and ask questions. Now, this next one's really important. Number six, we can't simply delegate tasks or present completed work if we're going to collaborate. We can't simply delegate tasks or present completed work if we're going to collaborate well. Here's what I mean. I think all too often when we talk about collaborative leadership, what we sometimes understand that to mean is delegating tasks out to others, farming out what, what needs to be done to accomplish something to other people. That's not collaborating. That's simply delegating. And in fact, for a lot of us, that's simply taking work off of our plate and giving it to others because we'd rather not do it. Maybe because we're busy or we're lazy or whatever. Delegation and collaboration are not necessarily the same thing. Now, it's absolutely true that if we're going to collaborate well, we do have to delegate work out. That's true. But delegating tasks in and of itself is not the same thing as collaborating. The collaborative leader does not come into a meeting hoping to get all of the work assigned. A collaborative leader comes into a, a collaborative meeting hoping to get the best ideas which then can be implemented together. That's the goal of collaboration. So delegation is a part of that, but it's only a small part of that. And this next part of, of number six is really important. It's Delegation is much more than presenting completed work. I've already run into this problem Multiple times, when when asking for a collaborative environment or a collaborative uh, a process to happen, you say, "I'd like to collaborate with you about something," and then the person you're collaborating with spends two or three weeks working on something and presents to you a completed, you know, process, a, a completed piece of work, and says, "Here's here's my contribution to the collaboration," and it's the entire thing, and it's it's all done. And then if if we're going to collaborate in this in this together. I'm going to have to deconstruct whatever was, was put together carefully over three weeks because I may have different kinds of contributions to that than they do. Or, or maybe it's me that's presenting the completed work. And then I might take it really personally if those I'm collaborating with think they have better ideas than I do. And they begin tearing apart what I worked so hard to put together. Presenting completed work is not collaboration. That's simply accomplishing a task or, or doing what we are told. That's not the same thing as collaboration. It, it's true that at sometimes the point leader in a collaborative process is going to assign work to people that's true and ask them to complete it but if you're if you're entering into a collaborative process especially at the beginning, presenting a completed piece of work is only going to make it really difficult to collaborate because we're all going to take what we've worked on uh, and, and hold it really close and if it gets changed or revised we're going to take that really personally and it's going to hurt our collaborative process. So we can't simply delegate tasks or present completed work. And then the last prerequisite for becoming a collaborative leader or having a value of collaborative leadership is this, number seven, we must be vulnerable. We must be vulnerable. Now this one's hard because we've all been in church environments and in other work environments where we've been hurt by our teammates because of of you know, competition that's happened between us, or because we're not careful with the way we speak to each other, or we're not used to collaborative environments, and so we sort of stumble our way through something. And so, vulnerability can be difficult, especially at the beginning, uh, for a team that's trying to develop collaborative leadership as a value. But, but my. My, my gut says, and my inclination, and my experience all tell me that the only way we're really going to work well together in a collaborative environment is if we're vulnerable with each other, admitting our weaknesses humbly, um, admitting when we've made mistakes, uh, not not holding on to our work so tightly and taking everything so personally, but instead being vulnerable, putting our best ideas out there, uh, being, being humble Showing our, our, our warts and, and, and making mistakes and being okay with that. Because it's better that we do that and treat each other like human beings that need each other and need help and need, need to process through things together instead of coming at something as if we're perfect. Uh, it's really difficult to collaborate with someone who presents him or herself as perfect. Uh, if if someone's presenting themselves that way, then they're also probably going to present They're part of the work that way. And they're not going to collaborate well because they're only going to want their ideas to go forward. I know that I've been guilty of doing this often. So if we're going to collaborate well, we have to be vulnerable. That also means we have to allow others to be vulnerable too. So we must be vulnerable and we must allow others to be vulnerable. So just as a recap, these seven prerequisites are this. Number one, we must believe and behave like we're not the smartest person in the room. Number two, we must be patient because collaborating can take time. Number three, we must have a greater desire for what's best, not just for what's good enough. Number four, we must internalize fully that a unified team is more important than completed tasks. Number five, we must come to collaborative environments with our curiosity, fully engaged, asking questions. Number six, we, we can't simply delegate tasks or present completed work. And then number seven, we must be vulnerable. I'm convinced that if we live these seven prerequisites out, then we'll be doing a really great job of working toward becoming collaborative leaders. And if you ask me, there's no other way for us to innovate and lead well in today's world as the church other than to collaborate and to do so well with one another. Thanks so much for exploring the topic of collaborative leaders with me. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And also, check out my website, jmatthewbarnes.com. That's j-a-y matthewbarnes.com. Lastly, if you'd like to support the creative process that helps bring this podcast to life, then please check out my Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com slash jmatthewbarnes. That's the letter J, Matthew Barnes. There are some fun rewards there for folks who pledge support, although any level of support will be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for your time. Grace.